Hey everyone, it's Justin from Mayday. Welcome to episode 3 of Mayday the Handmaid's Tale podcast. I have a very important announcement I needed to make. There have been a few mistakes in our previous podcasts, up to and including this one. I know this because you pointed them out, uh, episodes 1, 2, and 3. So we uh, wanted to go ahead and address those and make a little announcement about a new feature we're going to do. Uh, these were pointed out to us by a number of listeners on our Facebook and uh, other social media pages. Uh, and by none other than head writer and showrunner of The Handmaid's Tale, Bruce Miller himself. That's right. So we wanted to start a new feature. Uh, you can feel free to correct us on the podcast. All you have to do is hit us up on social media. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at, at Handmade Podcast. That's at Handmade Podcast. And we will mention it right here. We will amend and add to uh, the recording and say, hey, this is what we screwed up on and here's who pointed it out. So for our first edition, we have the following. On Facebook, Marianne's Stable Marawi, hope I'm pronouncing that right, pointed out that June said she was five weeks pregnant, not five months pregnant like we said on the podcast. Uh, this one got a lot of attention from people, and we are uh, very sorry for the fact that A, that doesn't even make sense with the timeline, and B, we just screwed it up. So, when you hear me and the other co-hosts, Tiana and Sarah, talk about her being five months pregnant, we are incorrect. Uh, she was five weeks pregnant when she said that at the end of the first episode. We apologize. Uh, so, also, Morgan Derringer and Merritt Stevenson on Facebook pointed out that the Econo husband asked June if she was a good witch or bad witch because of the Salem sign that is in the warehouse that they're at. Uh, I just missed that, I think, typing up. I saw that on a subsequent viewing after the podcast that I already posted. So good catch there. Uh, Laura Guzik Cohn pointed out that June and her mom are at a Take Back the Night rally, which I had heard that name of a thing but was unaware of what that type of event was. I did not realize that that's what that was called, and that's where they were at. So thank you, Laura, for pointing that out. And last but not least, Bruce Miller, head writer, showrunner for The Handmaid's Tale, uh, direct messaged me on Twitter the other day and said the following. Hi, answering a few questions you had this week. June is five weeks pregnant when the season begins, not five months. And the, say, the name of the silent woman is Aaron. It has never been mentioned in the show, but just an FYI. Keep up the podcast, Bruce. Um, so as you can imagine, I was very, uh, excited and shocked and all kinds of emotions to hear from the guy who's running the show that we're doing a podcast about. So thank you, Bruce Miller, for listening to the podcast, first of all, which is amazing and crazy to even think about. Uh, thank you for helping bring this story to TV in a way that I think honors the legacy of Margaret Atwood's novel. And thank you, even though you make a habit of building us up to break us down in the show, we would not have it any other way. So keep up the great work. Thank you, Bruce Miller. So. Everyone, thanks for listening. And again, hit us up on social media if you hear anything that we do wrong on the podcast. We want to hear from you because, again, we are uh, fans and we are human just like you. And we will make mistakes for sure. So point them out to us. Let us know what we screwed up on. And we'll uh, come back and say, hey, this is what we made a mistake on. This is who pointed it out. Uh, just hit it up on social media. Once again, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at, at @handmadepodcast. Without further ado, enjoy the podcast. Thanks, everybody. Hey, everybody. It's Justin. Tiana and Sarah here for episode three of The Handmaid's Hi. Hello. How's it going? It's going pretty good. All right. So episode three, first thoughts, initial thoughts. What do you got? Um, I was so happy to see Moira again. Right? Generally. Moira's like, that back. Was, that was my big like takeaway from this was, oh, okay, I get to see where she is. All right. She is still alive. <laughs> Everything yeah, I liked her. Yeah. Finally got to see them in Canada. And uh, the lady that never talks, talks. Yeah, that really startled me at first. <laughs> I know, at first cool. I was like, wait, is this the same? What? Wait, no. They have a different roommate? No. I think it's the same woman. No, but no. she has a voice. That was her. What and it was happening? just kind of out of the blue, right? And then I was like, how long has it been? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. I loved it. I really liked this episode. There was a lot going on from start to finish. Yep. I enjoyed the just the pure action of it. Uh, the ending was crazy, and I liked that. And uh, I loved seeing the dynamic between June and her mom. It was yeah. fascinating to me. Yeah, really, true. really liked that. I actually thought about you during that. Yes, you should have. I did. <laughs> I did very much so, knowing <laughs> knowing what little I know, and I don't know a ton, but just how you have described your relationship with your mother, yeah, and father. Yeah, that's very much. I was like, oh, I wonder if Sarah. Had a little empathy there. <laughs> my relationship with my mother is nothing like that, but I thought while watching it that it seemed very realistic. Yeah. Like it seemed well done, like that would be a real 
the, yeah, we'll we'll get into it when we get there. But there was only one part where I thought, okay, mom, uh, you need to calm down. Dial you know? down. <laughs> yeah, even the most you know stern mother wouldn't say that directly. They would say it, but right. not directly. So, but I loved this. I thought it moved well. I just, I this was a great episode. This was my favorite so far of this season. Interesting. Which is, yeah, I know, right. kind of a All right. lofty. Well, Cherry Jones. This is our first look at her as June's mom and uh, little June, who got tricked going outside yeah. in the dark to feed the ducks, which I think is an interesting thing. Yeah. But we'll leave that there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she she does mention that as a thing that she should have thought of. Yeah. It was dark outside. Why am I going? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's lots. There's some Red Center stuff going on in here um, with the training, which is an interesting flashback that we haven't really seen, which is how all the handmaids got kind of indoctrinated and really the kind of in-between process, which we never really got the, you know, nuts and bolts of how they do things at the training center. Um, but yeah, I, I thought this episode was awesome. Um, we got to see the Econo people. The Econo people, man. And then we were going to talk about some stupid I ass know. decisions being made. Yep. My stupid ass meter was on high alert for <laughs> this was, episode. You're freaking don't out. Pull back the Damn. curtain. Just who does that? One Steer job. in the window. One job. Don't make noise. Don't what get. Are you don't get doing? caught. One oh job. Oh my god. Even playing with the marbles, I was like. Stop. I mean, I get it, and I have zero frame of reference for anything like that, True. but... I wouldn't even be walking around the apartment. Like, what if somebody was homesick and they were like, wait a minute, there's supposed to be a church. No. You just, you pick a spot and I feel like and all her stay there. bad decisions are made right after, like, harrowing things happen to her. Like, terrible things happen, and then she's like... And she's like, I'm bored. Screw it. <laughs> right? <laughs> Go find something to no, do. screw this, I'm going. Or like, you know, I don't know. We'll get into it. Yeah. So, we open oh. up with... uh. Sorry. What, you got something to say? No, I was just going to say also my uh, second favorite thing about this episode was getting to see some of the handmade Underground Railroad was awesome. Yes. I know. Like, this felt like super Underground Railroad. Yeah. Like, we kind of got some of it last mm -hmm. episode, but it was not the same. Yes. So this is officially where, like, June is on her tour of terrible buildings of Gilead. The Gilead terrible building crawl, as I called <laughs> it. Um, so we open up this whole thing and uh, the song playing. Which I thought it was MIA at first. I had to shazam it and correct myself. This is Santa Gold. Oh. Not MIA. This is Santa Gold teaching Karen O of the yeah, yeah, yes, for those of you keeping score at home. I only noticed it was Karen O. I didn't know. Yes. Else it is Santa Gold, who is awesome. If you've never listened to Santa Gold, you should listen to Santa sure. Gold. You would love her. Uh, so June has uh, been, we later learned she's been there for two months. So she's exercising and listening to music again, which, you know, if you put that all together, it's like she's probably not heard. However long she's been in Gilead, they haven't exactly had. Oh yeah, you know Gilead radio playing. The, the Gilead radio would be terrible. What does that gotta be right. like? Terrible. A lot of Andy Williams or something. I, I don't, don't know. know. Hemnolds all the time. Maybe? I don't know. Yeah, so she's, she's, just it, she's really just having this inner monologue, running around the Boston Globe building, <laughs> jogging, and uh, talking about her mother saying how about how women are pliable and get used to things and questioning what she's been getting used to by being in this building and not being able to go anywhere for two months we find out yeah um well her a long time her vigil is getting bigger you can see a little bit of a belly stuff like that yes because i will say that when she said she was five months pregnant in the first episode there was part of me that went <laughs> are you really, really? <laughs> that's interesting especially because with your second child i'm told Shows a little faster too, like mm. it's kind of zero to pregnant, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know though. I don't know. I showed right. real fast with number one. I I often think that in TV and movie pregnancies, like I feel like you're not as pregnant as you're supposed right. to be. And five months, especially, is like five months is you should pretty be, far. You know, yeah, you're out there. Um, Silhouette, but so changed. yeah, I thought that was interesting. But yeah, you're right. In this, she's finally starting to show, as it were. Um, so. It's just that little bit at the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, we get to see the memorial that she's keeping up with and her getting to run around and listen to music, which has got to feel good. You yeah. Know? Just, I felt good Yeah, for just her. like you know? moving around and like hearing normal things. Like there's a, some point in there where I, I wish she would have been like, no, this is cool. I'm just going to hang out in the Boston building forever. <laughs> I mean, I get that she wants to find her daughter and escape and find everybody, but like. After all you've been through, I gotta think a two week, a two month vacation in the Boston Globe Building, pretty much doing I, that's whatever. The most remember. depressing vacation I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, no, the most what? depressing vacation. I okay, feel like this colonies puts is probably yeah, like the comparatively. Most comparatively, this puts it all in perspective. Being yeah. in an empty 
Boston Globe building I don't for know, two though. months. Being alone does crazy She's, things to you. True, but she gets to period. have sex sometimes and watch Friends. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if you have the Friends DVD, I hope there's more than just the one. I mean, mm. what more is life than how, how many times can you watch those like five episodes that are probably on that right. one? Yeah. I just hope that John Lovett's episodes on there because it's the best one. It's a really good Evan. one. I think that's give me the gummy bears. That's a different season. No. Um, so we do get our next scene in Canada. Moira and Luke and the lady who doesn't talk because I have zero idea what her name is, and I apologize to the I, lady that doesn't yes, talk. I don't I think remember. we ever knew, did we? Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure it's someone Aaron. knows. Because it is. I don't know. I just oh, because I think she didn't talk before they the people found her, so mm. they right. didn't know her yeah, name. Yeah, no, they didn't know her name either. So I don't know if somebody knows her name. Maybe they said her name. I don't know what it is, There's but uh, we do get Luke mentioning that uh, the Canadian military and the British troops are doing some kind of uh, exercises on the border, and he thinks they're going to like go in and like have a little skirmish, which, because we know what we know, it's probably not going to happen, Luke, just so you know. Well, and he's all over the news. Like, he's handling, he's coping with their situation by being all over it and speculating and, oh, my God, head first in all the news. And Moira was clearly on the other end of that spectrum. She can't handle it. She doesn't want to hear it. She says it's like 1775 all over again. Um, she clearly. She's not wrong. Yeah, no, she, I would probably take the Moira route myself. Um, and But she's clearly in a different headspace, too. Like, Mo- Moira is trying to sort out all of the awful trauma that she experienced while she was in Gilead. So right. for her, it's so totally different to hear news like that. Yeah. Whereas Luke kind of got out. Yeah, for Luke, he was out early and didn't go through any raped. of that horribleness. <laughs> so Not. like for him, he's hoping to hear like news of his surviving loved ones. Sure. But yeah, for Moira, that's... Not raped is key. A different thing. Yeah, the not raped thing. Not raped is huge. Um, And then, you know, and you know that you're going to get more and more, more Moira as the episode wears on. And you're like, okay, so we're going to see sort of how she's trying to sort this stuff out. Yeah, and it seems like you're right. Like, she's really trying to get in a normal routine again mm-hmm. because that's the only way she can function. Yeah. And even that's not going so well for her, we no. figure out later in the episode. Um. Understandably. So, right in the middle of this is another flashback, which is June's mom and Lil' June, as I referred to her in my notes. Lil' June. Lil' June. They were going to feed the ducks at night, but not so much. They were going to a, uh, I don't know what would you call it, a rally, bonfire? Yeah, it's not um, a protest. No, they're not protesting anything. It's more um, like a, I don't know what you would qualify this as. I don't know, yeah, like a... Because you find out that basically these women are writing down their rapists' names and throwing them in a fire. Just a so. rally. Rally? Are we rallying? Is that what we're doing? Yeah, like rallying. It's not really an effigy. We're not burning anything in effigy. There is no effigy per se. So um, we'll call it a rally for our purposes. Okay. Good stuff. Because what we know of June's mom from the book is that she was feminist protest lady. Mm-hmm. So we weren't Very really active. sure in the show if that was going to carry over, although they've been fairly faithful to everything else. So we assumed they would. It, um, it is nice to see... I guess, like, women, you know, having some power in their lives and and taking action against things that they think are wrong, even though this isn't Gilead that they're protesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just nice to see that. <laughs> in this show? Yeah. You yeah. need a win. Yeah. For sure. Even if it's, like, a long time ago, you still need to, like, be reminded that that is a thing that is possible in the world. Yeah, and the line where she talks about how there were so many pieces of paper, right? Like, mm. that it's so not isolated that it was like the snow she said which was just heartbreaking to think about so then and then it flashes back then we go back to the boston globe and yeah. nick says it's almost time to leave and i felt like for a second there june they was like made contact which yeah, kind of weirded me out i was like but wait isn't he the one making the contact like mm-hmm. i don't this seems really out of this his hands because nick is very new to the process because yeah. he says that in this in this scene because she's trying to Get him to figure out, like, where are we going? What are we doing? How's it yeah. happening? He's like, I just got here. <laughs> don't really know. Um, well, and she says that line that I feel like Tiana mentioned last season. Or maybe Rhea. Better never means better for everyone. That's not the first yeah. time. No. Um, the commander said that. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't place where I'd heard it before. In the show. Which is so. Well, yeah. I couldn't place where I'd heard it in the show before. But. Yeah, because that's when she finds out that he knew about uh, Emily. And 
that was that is when she finds out that he knew that all of that happened with her mm. and that he could have done something about it. But yeah, then it's like she goes through this whole thing of feeling guilty about leaving because of Hannah. And uh, she's trying to work this out. And I felt like a little bit like she just was like getting kind of comfortable in the Boston Globe building and was kind of like, oh, it's time to leave and not knowing what you're moving on to, you know, because you got to think she's not getting directly out. Um, and she doesn't know that. But yeah, it's just very interesting to work through that when you're finally comfortable in a place and you finally, you know, again, not being raped every day or every month. And and she can finally be herself right. alone. There's some semblance of freedom there. But and then it's time to move on. And you're like, what am I moving on to? Um, And then doesn't it flash back to. And we're back to Canada. Yeah. No, she's. Okay. Yeah. Moira is uh, working at the refugee center. Okay. And the, the, this is a, a very interesting scene. So the guy from the army that shows up there, which I thought was interesting on a number of levels that I, so it, he appears to be kind of Asian Middle Eastern of sorts. Um, As far as ethnicity goes, he's definitely not your typical white dude that showed up from America and was like, mm -hmm. Hey, let me in. Um, I thought there was a couple interesting choices there and that he does not have any discernible accent other than an American accent, which mm -hmm. I think just looking at him, you were going to expect that. So I thought that was a good creative choice on their part to not do that. Um, and that he starts talking about his story, which was, you can tell like visibly he is like spent, like whatever his experience was yeah. getting there was probably not easy like everyone else's, but uh, he basically tells the story about him being in the army and they just basically... And I thought this was not lazy, but I thought it was interesting when you thought it all the way through that they just all of a sudden threw all the army guys in as guardians, like didn't really question it. Like there wasn't a process. So I thought that was interesting. Um, and then he said, like, all of a sudden we're just hanging people on the wall and killing people. And he talks about how one totally of them was. How it and maybe it is. I just thought that the. The blanket. I mean, the military really conditions you to follow orders. And that makes sense. Else. You know, and I. That's a thing that I just can't even like wrap my head around, but like just the blanket going, okay, you guys used to do this, go over here and do this, which if you think that something else is going on, maybe the, you know, the information that they were receiving isn't the correct information. So maybe oh, they yeah, think they're true. doing. That's true. A lot of military life has you separated out of normal society. So like they might not even have the same perceptions of what is happening. Right. They're only, get, you only get the information that you're given, I guess. Yeah. And so he, he talks about killing gender traitors and turns out to be homosexual because he talks about his boyfriend from mm -hmm. college being a guy he dated in college being somebody that they had to kill so that'd be terrible just heartbreaking things on top of heartbreaking things as they do in gilead um but i thought it was interesting that moira was kind of working at the refugee center as her thing i guess no, you gotta I do something well, and I thought maybe that was partially how she was trying to deal with whatever she was dealing with. Yeah. I mean, she's got to be feeling a lot of guilt over being the one that got out mm -hmm. and she's left June twice. Right. In Gilead. I mean, you know, at least here she's helping some people. She's doing what she can. That's what I think. Helping somebody. She yeah. was feeling catharsis through helping other people. And she does mention him that it gets easier. And I don't know. We're supposed to believe that or not. I was going to say, it hasn't for her. I mean, but we also it, don't know how seems, long they've... It seems like it's gotten better than it well, was in Gilead. True. I mean, she's better than before. She's not good. No. No, she's not good, for sure. Um, so then it's time for June to go. Back to the Boston Globe. And here comes uh, not John Voight. Um, yeah. Did anybody else think, like, getting back in that truck, truck might was... not be a good idea? Like, I don't know. I just, like, something... Well, much like you said, the military conditions you to not think certain things. The show conditions you to not trust much. Yeah, I didn't trust him it the second time. Off. I was like, but this seems so sudden. Like, is this really the right guy? Is this who she's supposed to be going with? What if this is a trap? Well, no, I think that... everything is a trap now. <laughs> but she was kind of like that, too. Like, when he was showed she? up, okay. she was kind of like, oh, okay. And so you, you read her and you're like, something's off. Something's going to happen because uh -huh. she, it just didn't feel like the first time. Right. No, it like, didn't. And, and I think it was, I partially was kind of playing off her emotions and was like, 
Okay. Yeah, Do you somebody, also think it was a trap? Yeah, I was like, yeah. somebody's turned him or something. And he yeah, seemed, and I was like, what could they have on him? Well, that and, you know, in the earlier scenes, he seemed like, you know, after a while, Crocodile, like he wasn't her best friend or like mm-hmm. anything. But there was he a was lightness relaxed, yeah. to him. And then in this scene, there wasn't. Yeah, he was more he was, business. He was very much like, let's go. And you're like, oh, no. Something's changed. And he like didn't enter the building, right? I don't know. Well, I think there was the sense I was worried that mm. she was expecting Nick to yeah. be involved somehow. And she said, "Where's Nick?" Right. And, and so I think maybe viewers are supposed to know who Nick was. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think that would be how it was. Like yeah, if this was going to happen in reality, the less really... people know each other, the less problems you're going to have. Right. Um, so yeah, she then she gets to like a hangar. Oh yeah. Or something. It right? is a um uh, yeah, because they're at a oh. they're at the airport. They're at a small I, re- I remember th- I remember thinking and I I think I wrote something down about it, but I can't read all my notes to be honest. Um I remember thinking like thinking back to season one, remember when they finally got out of the Red Center and they were like in disguise and they couldn't tell where they were because all the signs were gone. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's where all the signs went. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the, a weird storage spot, but okay, the, we found them. The yeah. Boston Logan Airport yeah, sign there was, was in the warehouse. Yeah, and there was, and there were all kinds of signs, yeah. all kind of wayfinding signs in there. <laughs> I saw. I said that to my husband. I was like, yeah, I guess they would have to store all those signs somewhere. Like it, it hadn't even occurred. I guess what else are you going to do with them? I don't know. Yeah. It just seemed weird that they were kept. Yeah. So there's another flashback here uh, with June visiting her mother. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> this is scene, Sarah. Sarah. <laughs> uh, how'd this scene feel for you, Sarah? Let's, let's, <laughs> let's dive into this, shall we? Well, you know, you know, she's her mom doesn't seem proud of her, but you don't really know why. Right. It was a very odd dynamic here because you're like, because the only other, you know, thing you've gotten from them is at the rally, we're calling it. Where, well, yeah, where she's was, a kid. Where, she was little. Yeah, yeah, she was little, and her mom was all like, you know, super jazzed that they were there, and now it's way fast forward 30 years, basically. Yeah, and so mom is, mom is responsive, mom is fine, but you just, you're like, something's off. Mom doesn't like what she's doing. I can't tell what it is, but mom's just not into it, and then. June seems perfectly content in her own situation. So you're just like, okay, so there's a disconnect here, but they're still close. Like you can tell it's not like we hate each other. I just need to borrow this immersion blender. It's, <laughs> you know, you know that right. they're friendly, but there's issues there. You know, it's it's complicated like a lot of mother-daughter relationships are. And so then I thought, well, does, does mom want her to be an activist too? Is that what this is? You know, d- does she want her to be just like her or is it? What what is it? You know, you're just like waiting for the ball to drop for mom to be like, well, if she wasn't messing around editing, she could be doing A, B, or C, which we don't get in this flashback because then it goes to the hangar thing, and mm-hmm. then that whole thing goes down, and then it flashes back later, and mom actually says right. what she'd rather June be doing, or yeah, because what... at this point you just know that mom's not happy, and we don't really know why. Yeah, it and was her, very odd. She just seemed her mildly are... disappointed. Yeah, and her friends are there. <laughs> And you don't know if the friends know what's up. Like they, they're like, "Hey, June," but you don't know if the friends are kind of like on mom's side of like. Yeah, they. I mean, they seemed like okay, like yeah. with yeah. what like, she was oh, doing. Like, you're an editor. Yeah. I don't know. I don't feel that involved in my friends' kids' lives. True, with maybe one exception. Maybe when you're sixty but, something, you might. I don't know, man. You know, you have closer family friends and not. So, like, there are yeah. a couple family friends that I feel like know what I'm doing and like care. Sure. But then there are other family friends that are just like, oh, yeah, you. And then you're like, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, okay. I, as a child, I was very interested in all my parents' friends. And I always went wherever. Like, if, even if when I was older, my parents were like, well, you're 14. So you can stay home. I'd be like, no, I want to go eat dinner with you and your friends. Like, I really would. I'd go to their houses and everything. Luca is like that, yeah. I loved doing that stuff. So mm-hmm. I get the friend yeah. thing. Yeah. No, I get it too. It was the same way. Anyway. Um, so then the rando dude pops out at the hangar. Yes. Oh, yeah. And he's like, are you a good witch or a bad witch? Which I thought was an interesting opening line. Yeah. <laughs> In that we're referring to them all as witches. But um, he asks her her maiden name, which is, I guess is a uh, checkup of sorts to make sure that she's the right person. That was the only th- I reason I mean, that I could think he would be asking her that. Is like, I thought that was really random. Well, I, is that like... Is he given that information? Ahead right. Of that time? was my guess. Like, is that me too. that's 
if she would she would know that and probably not many other people who are in Gilead would know. Maybe they like destroy all those records. Right, exactly. And so I don't know. I feel like Serena knows a lot about her. So so this guy gets spooked and is like, uh Well they're trying to take her to a safe house where then she's gonna go to their port or their strip where they're gonna take her to Canada. Right, and he gets spooked, and her reaction is then to beg him and stand in her front of his car. It's like the first what the fuck reaction of this episode. Okay, in my mind, I thought to myself, if whatever information he just got caused him to act like that, hide, let him, let him drive away, and yeah, hide, run away, like figure something else out, like. You need to not involve yourself with him because even though he was kind at first and you get the sense he was trying to help her and he was not, he was brave and stupid and whatever. But after that, like once I he got that text, I'd have been like, see ya later. Right. We never spoke. Look away. But she is like in front of his car. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah, because it was not the kind of thing where he received the text and he took the time to explain even what happened right he like he just freaked out tried to jet you know he was sure. like i'm sorry i'm sorry uh, yeah because yeah. which went back to later him saying he was stupid and not brave because i feel like if you had a little you know better handle on yourself in that situation you could explain what was going on but yeah she was having none of it like she was like <laughs> she says no i've been <laughs> waiting what i are got you doing? i don't know man you're I just, taking like, me somewhere i would not have sarah. reacted that way at all i'm with sarah i don't know and again it's hard to put yourself in those shoes but, right i get that she was desperate but but damn. no and i guess it might speak to a little later on what she was saying about she makes this comment later on when she's hiding in the woods i think is when she says the uh you raise your daughter to be a feminist and she's spends half her life and waiting for men to rescue her and so maybe this is the point where she's starting to feel that where she's like okay i've been shuffled around building the building the building and now all of a sudden i thought this was like getting close to the end of the line and he's taking off and yeah i just my brain was like get in the get get back inside i don't know yeah i totally felt what would you have done to you i don't know right i don't know Kiana standing in front of the van. I can see it. Uh uh-uh. uh. I'm a good hider. You're a good hider? I'm small. I fit That's in, what I'm saying. I, I, I feel fit like in lots of good hiding places. I feel like there's, a, I don't know. I, I feel ass, like hiding I was hide the option. There. I'm really yeah, good. I, I, I can think of a number of things I would have done, but that is not one of them. Yeah, because what happens is we end up in the Econo town, mm-hmm. which I think of all the things that, I mean, granted, there's worse options that you could have had, but getting thrown back into that society right away is not what I would have been hoping for if I was, if I was her. No. And then she puts his whole family in jeopardy. I was really worried about that family. I yeah. thought for sure. It was another interesting creative choice to make them an interracial family. Interracial family. Like, yeah. And she yeah, says, on the one hand, like, I get happy inside every time I see an interracial family represented on TV because that is not a thing that I saw for the vast majority of my life. But also, like, yeah, it just raised a lot of questions in Gilead. And it's like clearly a different Gilead version of Gilead than the book because in the book, that would not have happened. They got rid of all the minorities as well. Right. Um, so, yeah, again, uh, more minorities than most of the first season. Yes. Uh, I appreciate that continued trend. Yes. And so basically, he takes her, and you're like, we don't even know where they're going. Then they show up in kind of Kano Town, and he takes her up to his apartment. And well, I think the- at first, you don't even know, like, is he going to his apartment? Like, no, it's not. It's not clear. Yeah, it's not. I thought he would, but then that kind of went to that whole other awkward place. Like, I just kept thinking, like, maybe he's taking her to, like, maybe he knows a guy who's like no. got a place to hide. I thought his only contact was that guy who got spooked, and then he was like, uh, uh-uh. uh. And then I thought, well, now his only option is to take it to his house. And what's that going to look like? And then I was so uncomfortable. What if he's really not a good person? He's just, you know. Doing the thing because I thought well, he was clearly everyone Feels in the like house is not on board to. with the situation. Yeah, right. Can you blame him? No. Well, yeah, and then the wife shows up Mm-mm. and she's pissed, and you understand why she's pissed. Yeah, and it's just putting awful her child situation. in danger. And I don't know. I just I like that whole scene. I was just so like, that kid was cute. Yeah, kid super was cute. Again. And she was like, "Had I not been an adulterer, maybe this would have been my life, or something like that." Isn't that what she says at one point? Yeah, like, had I not something. I yeah. think it says that she was an adulterer. Oh, that's interesting. Because I remember explaining to my husband, I was like, so she was with Luke. You know, right. I had to explain mm-hmm. that whole situation. And I was like, I guess that's why she became a handmaid and not a father. That's why their marriage was declared invalid. Okay. 
So then she would have been like, a is it because they mother. were divorced before? Uh-huh. So it's so, only yeah, first marriage. Yeah, I think they talk about this in the first season. Uh, okay. Somebody on Twitter can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, they declare all second marriages void. Okay, that's right. I do remember that. I don't know if that's in the book or if that's in the show. But it's I, uh, yeah, maybe it's in the book. I don't remember. Either way, we're uh, just about to uh, make some more bad decisions here in a minute. Yes. So, um, so then we flash back to mom. We do get a flashback to mom, although we do get like these. What is the start of like this trend of having random like single three second flashbacks in certain situations? Mm-hmm. With Hannah putting on her shoes and some other random stuff uh-huh. throughout this episode, where it's not like a full on, but it's like little moments, which I thought was a really good way to do it. It's so sad. And so then we go back to June and mom having their. Uh, so then we get mom, daughter, mother, daughter talk. <laughs> So then we get mom and mom wants to do wants her to be on like the Supreme Court instead of playing house. And I think this is where mom confronts her about she doesn't think that. Yes, she uh, believes, says that. uh, Yes, she doesn't. The world is going to shit and they shouldn't be spending time um, playing playing house. house. Yeah, that's why she says she doesn't want her to marry Luke. Yes, I thought that was huge. That yeah. mom did not want her to la- marry Luke, but it wasn't because of Luke. It was because yeah, she, didn't she didn't want her to get, want married. Her to get married. She wanted her to like fight for the <clears throat> cause, right? Which was interesting. Right. I yeah. That was the part where I thought most mothers, even the most like stern driven mothers, would have been would have been a little bit more delicate with that situation because everyone knows you don't tell your kid straight up. I don't want you to marry that person, even if it's about that person or whatever the reason behind it is. You I just... disagree. Really? My parents sure did not do that, but I, I have to disagree. See, I, that almost, it's like that typical, like, that almost makes your child want to marry that person more <laughs> that you what? don't approve. Because in what scenario does the parent say, I don't like the person you're dating and the child go, oh, okay, I'll break up with them now. I don't know. Every parent should know that that's not going to go well for them. You know, like, you can say it. I think knowing a thing doesn't stop parents from doing things a lot of the time. Because I think if you think there's a chance that you're going to get through to the Yeah, I don't even think, like, a a lot of people didn't even need a chance. You just, like, want to be heard. Hmm. You want to say the thing so you can be on record as saying the thing. In case something happens. It's so much more alienating, though. Like, you end up pushing them away. Yes, it is. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not saying I'm not like maybe Sam and Will one day will date somebody that I'm not approving of, but I will do everything I can not. to. I I would hint at it. I would say things around it. (laughs) You know, I wouldn't just be like, she's the best or he's the best. I would just be like, yeah. So what's that about? You know, I would say probably passive aggressive things about it. (laughs) But she, the way they are portraying her does not strike me as the woman who doesn't say what's on her mind, regardless of who it is being said to. Very true. And her interactions with June seem to make that at least have been the case for the vast majority of her life. Yeah. I think that's how you got to look at that is she doesn't really mince words with anyone. I'm married to a person like that who is, uh, she doesn't lie. She just tells the truth. Yep. All the time. <laughs> <clears throat> Which is good. Most of Nikki's the time. Nikki's awesome. We love Nikki. Um, okay. So, let me see where we're at here. But so that, that means you also know she really loves you. Oh, I know she loves me. <laughs> Trust me. You can be very secure. Yeah. If we didn't love each other, we'd have been gone a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so interesting other things about this. Uh, we go back to the apartment and oh my <laughs> here's June God. standing at the window like you do if your one job is to not get caught and not make any noise yeah. and not raise suspicion about anything. Like seriously. Just just like watching Seri- the kid. How has she not felt the tension in the room when the family was there and that motivated her to not so, kill them? I can't remember. Do the parents realize she's looking out the window or does just the kids see her? The kid turns around to look at her. Like, but do I think the he, parents know. I think it's an instinct. Because if I'm that parent, I'm like, I'm sorry, lady. I'm turning no. Your, I'm turning I well, they don't give the indication. My kid. Well, I don't think they give that indication that the parents saw her. Yeah, they just okay. know that the kid is looking back, like he's looking back, like right, and kind of instinctively at the apartment. Yeah, as, yeah, oh, yeah. that lady's in there, yeah. and so they're just trying to make things seem as normal as possible. Because in that situation, every move you make when you're in that kind of situation where you're trying not to get caught about something. You think everything you do is suspicious, 
And so yeah. the kid doing that is probably just raising awareness on their part. But My notes here are, oh, my God, June, stop touching things and standing in front of the window. I know. Like the kid says, the the one thing they tell her is. A bad hider. Oh, I feel like this is like, I feel like this is, and I know Big Bang Theory is not the most popular show in this uh, circle, but. There is a conversation where there's a there's a show where they open up with Sheldon watching the Gremlins movie, and he's like, "How hard is this? Don't feed him after midnight. Don't do this." Don't do that. <laughs> I feel like that's what this is. Don't make any noise because everybody it's listens like every to everything. Horror movie ever. Don't go in the basement. <laughs> right. right. Don't run up the stairs. <laughs> Don't exactly. open the door. Exactly. And it's just one of those. Don't go outside to investigate the strange noise alone. <laughs> right. In the and dark. so, so what do you do if you're told not to make any noise? You play the marbles like you do. Oh, like yeah. the least not noisy toy of all time. You stand in the window when literally everyone is outside <laughs> going to church. Just don't get and it. And nobody should be inside I don't for any reason. Understand? So of it's going to be noticed. I, she was so being so ridiculous in that scene. I thought she might just open the door and go. They're at church. They'll be back in a couple hours. Like when that guy knocked, when the guy on, the knocked on the door. I was like, June, sit stuff <laughs> down. You're insane. It had been. Ten minutes. I get being bored. Like I get being there for six hours and being like, "Ugh." I still wouldn't have done that. But it had been like a minute and a half. They had left for church, and she's already like, "Super bored." I feel like we need we need to get June tested for some ADHD. I think is that some ADHD behavior? I'd say. But it was super cool because eventually, yeah. So the other cool thing about this is that. She finds the copy of the Quran underneath the bed, which yeah, was, that was cool. pretty interesting on the choice rug. on their part in the prayer rug. That was really neat. That was awesome. I loved um, that scene. Yeah. So again, and then you're like even more like, stop Don't talking to these people's these lives. Ladies. I know. Well, <laughs> really, they're doing okay. Nobody knows. Leave them alone. Well, and when she unfolds the prayer rug, I was like, June, put it back. What are you crazy? <laughs> Yeah. That is a cherished item of these people that you're gonna get killed soon. Put it back. Yeah, and then they move. And then she's getting a window in. I'm getting a window into Sarah's parenting. Going through their things, and I'm like, did she put it back exactly where she found it? No. Oh my god, I, I can't tell. Like, did she leave it out? I made a note on her. Did she leave the Quran sitting out like she did the laundry? <laughs> I mean, like, it kind of looked like it. Like just lay it all willy nilly. Kind of looked oh, like Oh crap! It. I'm late for the salvaging. I gotta go. <laughs> These will right. be cool here. It'll be all right. I'll just stand in the window with the Quran in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> See, they're at church. She doesn't. Ca- she. This is what she believes in. It's the Quran. They're di- the church is just for show. She doesn't okay. give a shit. Yeah. So when that guy knocks on the door, no, they're. She's. I actually... mean, they're there, but you. They don't care. See. They're, they're there physically. Hilarious. So, anyway. yeah, that was one thing. I was like, man, I hope she took better care of that than she did the letters that she got right. from Mayday. Good Lord, woman. <laughs> oh. Uh, and so then, then she... uh, back to the Red Center is what I got. You got something else from the scene? No. Well, the, well, then she, again, her abuse of this family, she steals the Econowise clothes and map. I think the map was the husband's map. Oh. I think she okay. did steal the Econowise clothes, but I think she must have gotten the map out of the Which, husband's jacket. Which, by the jacket. way. When I was looking at the Econo wives' clothes, <laughs> they were not messing around when Ann Crabtree was talking about like hand stitching things. I know. And, like, I was, yeah. I was like, that's like the Donna Karen Econo wife collection. You know? know. It was like all very like, very like. I mean, odd. as plain as it was, you yeah. were like, those are all very well done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. nice, good lines. silhouettes. Yeah, know, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then she boards this train and runs oh, into the yes. woods without getting caught. Okay, and this I had whole some train question. thing, I was like, okay, why can Akana women travel freely? Is that did that feel weird? Well, to they you? do everything, so like they would have to like go to the yeah, store. They, they would ha- they do okay. all of the women's jobs. <laughs> okay, for some reason I thought that the store would be like local. They wouldn't need to get on a train to go to the store mm-hmm. because the train felt very much like freedom. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I would imagine they got a pretty locked down regardless of whether where you can go on the True. Boston Metro Transit system. <laughs> but Offer was chilling, you know. Right. And then she just ran off in the woods. Nobody saw her. I feel like there should be a ticket system implemented in Gilead for the trains. With I'm pictures. just saying. Or just something. Like a pass. Like a, like a little piece of paper with like a, a picture pass. of a train on it. Like something. Because no reading. Right. That's true. I forgot about that. They can't read either. Yeah, I don't know. I figure there's got to be something. Maybe a system. I don't know. Well, either way, you do get a sense that 
she's got some PTSD stuff from Hannah, too. So, like, she keeps having these, like, sad little flashbacks of Hannah. And, you know, that little kid in the Econo house was, like, mm-hmm. reminding so her. So sad. And then she was in the woods, and she was flashing back to being in the woods with Hannah when she got caught. And it was just like, yeah, oh. And that little the kid in the apartment, like, a little mixed kid, mm-hmm. looking a little like Hannah. So the other thing, when they're in the scene where they're in the Red Center, and her and, uh, that's when Aunt Lydia is talking about the colonies, and they show the picture of June's mm. mom, which is interesting because in the book, the mention of June's mom is Moira saying that she saw her in like a video, propaganda video about mm-hmm. the colonies, which is, is a similar, so I guess them being there at the same time, it's kind of the only way they could fit that in. And then they have this conversation about how she got caught because they can't really it's like one of those people who are like oh my god this person got caught because you think she's like one of the last people that would get caught mm-hmm. so it was very interesting to finally see that because that is a reference in the book there's very few actual references about june's mom yeah so it was kind of cool to see them tie that back in there and i guess i've forgotten that she i guess worked at the abortion clinic or was a doctor that did abortions because they talked about her being caught because the they said, how did she get caught? Because they just the, said the abortion the clinic, records, be, Because the clinics erased all the abortion records, destroyed them all. And then the only other reference that makes me think that is because her, uh, in the first season, when they're meeting the guy that is going to stuff them in a trunk and give them the IDs to get them out of Gilead, he mm-hmm. talks about how her right. mom did his vasectomy after they banned them That's in right. Gilead. Oh, I forgot all about mm-hmm. that. Forgot about that, yeah. too. Yeah, so, so she, she must have been a doctor. A doctor. Hmm. Um. And when they're when they're in that scene with the friends at the house, they talk about being at a clinic and, and somebody getting hit in the head with a bottle because mm-hmm. of the protest. Well, I just assume that was what happens a lot now where right. you go to protect the women who are right. going to the clinic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, this scene where she's running through the woods and she's, you know, starts losing it in the middle of the woods is where she does have the... Uh, a moment where she's like, you raise your daughter a feminist, and then she spends half her life waiting for men to rescue her. I mean, at least she, you know, freaked out in the woods and not in the apartment. It's true, although at, at the one point in the woods where it was like on the open, clearly used road, yeah. I was just like... Get down! <laughs> like maybe 20 feet to the left, yeah. just somewhere. Come on. June. Let's go, June. Get it together. Um, Is this the part where we see Moira? Moira at the club. Yeah. <laughs> This is a dirty bathroom club making out scene. Oh, man. Yeah, we were spot on about that from the... We were spot on about that. Like, that looks distinctly <laughs> like a club bathroom. You know a club bathroom a certain, when you see it. It's a certain kind of bathroom. Yes. Uh, so Moira is in the giving mood and not the receiving mood. That's what I put here. She has random sexual encounters, or she has a random sexual encounter. I mean, that encounter. seems totally, totally legit Totally seems to me. legit. Yeah. That don't benefit her in any way. And, and, uh... and she gives her her uh, Jezebel's name. She tells her, her name is oh, Ruby. Oh, I know. I know. When she said Ruby, that I was like, so sad. oh, no. Yeah. Everything about that felt terrible, but understandable. You know, you, you get it. You're like, oh, um, So back to the apartment, which I didn't really get the interaction between the two of them when she walked in. Like the, the whoever her name is that doesn't talk. The like they seem to have like that talks now. Either yeah. she knew where she was and what she was doing, and Moira was like, "Let me look." Yeah, <laughs> shut your mouth. But then she she talks for the first time and said, "Best would be the Fruit Loops." It's fantastic. Yeah. And Luke, <laughs> even Luke, who's laying on the couch watching TV like he does these days, he was like laughing. So that was a good like moment of. It was a nice little surrogate family moment. Yes. Yeah. It was good for them to he have. He was like, that. "How how long were you holding on that one?" Or something like he's <laughs> right. Yeah, it was cute. It, yeah, it was just funny because it was like just out of nowhere. Like we weren't even sure if she could talk. It was just one of those things. Yeah. Where you're like, "Bless be the Fruit Loops," and you're like, "Well, let's talk about it." All right, so let's get down to the nuts and bolts of this whole episode because I think people are going to be super not happy with how all this ended up. <laughs> yeah, that was a rough way to end the episode. <sighs> okay, Whoa. so let me preface this with this. She's been talking about Hannah this whole episode. She's been having these flashbacks about Hannah and there was a lot about her and her mom mm-hmm. and then she talks about how she forgives her mom and he needs Hannah to forgive her when she yes. gets on this plane. So I really, really thought that she was going to get away on Time the out. plane. Time out right now. 
we are how far into this podcast where we are doing a show about this show where we analyze this show more than the people that watch the show most of the time. <laughs> if this show has taught you nothing else, it is they will build you up to break your ass down. I know. That is Bruce Miller. I see you now. That's why I don't believe anything <laughs> you say. Any happy thing that was in any of those trailers? I don't believe you. I should have known when that They're random really guy came in and was like, I'm randomly here. Let me on the plane. I should have known when that guy came in that everything was going to go That's to a shit. bad sign. Yeah. That like, guy. I thought he was maybe going to be in on it. Like, they were going to get her in the plane. And, like, and then he was going to kill and, them or something. Well, no, I thought, yeah. like, maybe they having two guys there instead of just one. Mm. Like, Because, like, if the guy's flying the plane, that's kind of got to be the thing he does. He can't really wrangle the handmaid if he's, like, in on trying to get her back right. to Gilead. Although, oh, yeah, because if I was that handmaid thought, and, like, he was taking me back to Gilead, I would crash that plane. See, right? Hell, yeah, I would. And so I was thinking maybe that guy showed up and pretended to be like, oh, I'm a driver. Get me out of here to be, like, the guy mm-hmm. that really Also, I didn't. I just don't have sympathy for a driver that wants to get out at this point. I'm like, dude, you're yeah. fine. I <laughs> you're fine. Give that seat up to another handmaid. You are fine. Oh, uh, so they're taking off. And Sarah and uh, other people who haven't been paying attention clearly thought that she was going to get out of there and I that we were going to somehow remotely do the rest of the show from Canada. No, I thought she was going to go to Canada and then feel so compelled to save Hannah that she would come back. And that's when everything. Would I don't know. That's a fan. little too heroy. But the whole episode was like, Hannah, that's Forgive me. I don't know. I just thought it was going to be a whole Hannah rescue Hannah season. I thought it was going to be the I rest. Do, I do want there to be some effort to rescue Hannah. Right. I am bothered by how little effort to rescue Hannah there has been thus but far. There's nothing anybody can do. I don't know. I Nick, feel like Luke could do something. she asked Nick to. in this. Luke could make an effort. And we have our issues with Luke are well established at this point, right? I feel like Nick is starting to redeem himself. I feel like it. But she does ask him, did you figure, like when she's on that whole trip about mm-hmm. wanting to get mm-hmm. the hell out of there and she's like, yeah, hell bent on where's Hannah? And he's like, I don't know. And he's like, of course he doesn't know. I mean, really, like it's anything? amazing if he even remembered that he ha- that she had a daughter. Because <laughs> Nick's not good with names. Yeah, Nick's not good with that stuff. <laughs> well, um, yeah. Why would he have that information? Why would exactly. he tell him? Well, I mean, they have like a real relationship. I would assume that they have had conversations. No, no like he's talking about where the location of Hannah would oh, be. Right. Who would yeah. tell him that and why? You would right. never need to know that information. Correct. So, and then they're up in the air. We're not up in the air. So that's the interesting thing is I think you get the impression that the plane has already taken off. Yeah. At which point you realize off. the plane is not already taking it off. It is still like in the process of gathering speed, at which point bullets are flying uh. and shit is going down. And Sarah is realizing suddenly that they got her again. <laughs> that yeah. They made her think that a positive I, thing was going to happen. When the bullets were flying, like I was still thinking like, ooh, they might be able to take off. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know where they were gonna go. Well, I I should explain to you that every time I watch Top Gun, I think Goose is not gonna hit. That I'm like he, it's cleared, it's high enough. He does every time. He's not gonna hit it. He'll be fine. It's literally every time. Every time I watch it, I'm like, it's 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 too high. He won't hit it. I'm just an optimist. What can I say? Mm, I'm sorry. (laughs) Well. I regret to inform you, you've chosen the wrong show to do a podcast about. <laughs> Fair enough. Or I feel like you have to take a worst case scenario approach to everything that they do. That's a good point. Because again, if the show's taught you nothing, it's that they're going to make you feel one way and then go, ha ha, silly goose. Just kidding. Come back here. <laughs> Fruit loops are Just for kidding. Kids. We're still in hell. <laughs> and so that's where we leave it. Yeah. June getting dragged out of the plane. Yeah. It was bleak. Gross, right? It's gross. Yeah, it was horrible. It was very bleak. So, yeah, happy fun times. Yeah. Gilead's back to what we thought it was going to be. Yeah. They bookended it. We got quite a tour. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Worst tour ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, three episodes in, how's everybody feeling? <laughs> um, you, know, you know, they are really not holding back. No. And I'm intrigued. I do I do feel like the <clears throat> only the only thing that I've... I feel like it's going in kind of a different direction than season one is that June is like, like without fail, making terrible decisions right and left. And like, there was a little bit of that in season one following the book, but I feel like it's really, wow. Like her judgment has really taken a turn. And I just, you know, again, I, 
I harp on it a lot, but I just think it's funny more than anything. But because she always does the one thing she's not supposed to do, I just, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it's because there's there supposed was to... less of that in season one, though. Right? There was. I mean, the only real blatant one was leaving the letters out willy nilly on the bathroom floor. Yeah, that one was really bad. <laughs> Come yeah. on, man. Also, falling asleep in the closet next yes. to staring at the thing. But that those one, are the only two I can think of. That one didn't, that didn't bother me so much. I don't know. So, yeah, and I don't know if it's just because, again, we have no frame of reference for how your brain would function after that. And if just at some point you are just like, screw it, I have nothing left to lose, I guess. I mean, does it get worse for her than going back? I mean, it could. She could be chained in the basement with the... I started to say, it certainly got worse for some other people. It's true. Got worse for Emily. (sighs) Emily. So, Sarah doesn't know about my prediction that... I think Emily's going to die. That's my call. Uh, I think she doesn't make it through this. That's my. I don't think she was supposed to make it this far, though. Well, in reality, no. They just kept writing episodes. Because she's awesome. Because Alexis Bledel is great. Yes. Interesting. My brain tells me that. Maybe I was just hoping for more Hannah. Like, we need more Hannah. This is. Yeah. I feel like there should at least be a plan for Hannah. Right? Just right. talk about Hannah. Just say the, like, just say the we, word can Hannah. We just, right? Can we just find out where she is? I'm sure that like, they where will Where is get that place? That. Was they she at a house? Was she at a, like, a place for kids right? that are being indoctrinated? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I don't know. Like, Has she been adopted by a commander and his wife? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Way to bring it even farther down. That's, that's the theory that I see other people having online. Like, that yeah. did not occur to me. I really thought that she was at, like, a, a red center for like, kids, you know, where school. they're, like, indoctrinating. But, yeah, other people seem to have thought en masse that I don't know. she was at a house. I don't know. All I know is that it's probably awful. Mm. Yeah. But that we will be led to believe that somehow it is okay. Mm-hmm. Right up until the point where it is not okay. <laughs> yeah. It's the Bruce Miller recipe. I feel like I've got it figured out. <laughs> You've got him pegged, I think. I, I feel like... Okay. Makes for some pretty good TV, though, I'll tell you. I really feel like they they spelled it out for you in the second episode of last season when is the when they have the... Uh, the uh, After she plays Scrabble and she walks out feeling all good about herself and then Ovglin's gone. And yep. she's like, fuck. So yep. that's at the point where I think you should realize yep. that this show is not going to... Do what nope, you, think it's you don't have do. a friend. No, warm. just kidding. No, this is not your warm and fuzzy feel good <laughs> show. No, it's not. But either way, it was fantastic. It was. Yeah, it was great. I always stagger to use the word enjoy when you want to talk about this show. It's, it's one of those things. Like, it's it like it's intense. something you don't feel good about watching. <laughs> you know, it's like, but yes, it was all very well done and I, fantastically I, yeah. entertaining in a. I don't even know how to feel about this show. It gives you a lot to show. think about. It does give you a lot to think about and makes the current state of reality even more, more terrible. awful. And Yes. So, we'll be back for episode four next time to see what more fun stuff Bruce Miller and his writing crew have <laughs> I'm excited up for to us. do it. As, right? as, as You're down, excited to be let down. I was awesome. going to say, okay. I, can't, I can't wait, but I am genuinely like excited to see yeah. where yeah, it's going to totally. go. I always am. Totally. There's so much more that we don't know. Yeah, you know, so good. We're going to see. All right, everyone, we are out of here. We'll see you next episode. Bye. Bye.